Hello and welcome to Encounter, the show that brings you the life-changing encounters of ordinary people that launch them in the lives of extraordinary mission. Encounter is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. My name is Dan Dimite, and I'm joined here in studio with my co-host, Patrick Rice. Hey, Dan. How are you doing? I'm doing great. This is going to be an incredible show. It is. It's like just, I think God's really going to bless a lot of people um, who have a lot of questions out there that need answered, and God wants to answer questions. we're talking about suffering. Yeah. And why... Why do we suffer? It's so hard to like wrestle with that like that question, right? So if you're one of those listeners that's like, yay, another healing show, you're not going to get it. Not today. Yeah, I'm no, sorry. No. All right, let's pray, right? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Father, I thank you so much that you are, you are the healer, God, that you do bring us to redemption. You have a redemptive purpose for everything, but God, that your greatest purpose is to draw us into trust and ultimate relationship. So God, we thank you that you use all things for the good for those who love you, that you uh, you do draw greater uh, a greater purpose from our sufferings. And so, Lord, we just pray for faith, for an increase of trust, for the gift of hope for everyone that's suffering from anything either physical, emotional, spiritual, that you're going to help bring them through this and that they're going to become uh, conformed into the image of Christ through this. And we pray that in Jesus' name. This comes from Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 24. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that sees for itself is not hope. For who hopes for what one sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait with endurance. In the same way, the Spirit too comes to the aid of our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit itself intercedes with inexpressible groanings. And the one who searches hearts knows what is the intention of the Spirit. Because it intercedes for the Holy Ones according to God's will. We know that all things work for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Wow, Patrick, that's a powerful scripture verse. What's the Lord speaking to you through that? Well, I mean, uh, this, I mean, we have, so we have Ben Hardings on the show. Ben is a good friend of ours. um, And he's a giant of ministry here in Columbus. Um, working for Damascus right now, but he's been through more sufferings. I think that of any close friends I have, Ben's been through more than anyone else I know. So he's very qualified to speak on suffering. Um, and I don't want to give all of the details away because we're, we're having him here. Um, but what are the foundations for understanding suffering? I think one of the, the cheapest ways um, that the enemy wants to get us to believe is that God causes the suffering or, you know, X, Y, it's God, God does it and you just need to deal with it or, or whatever it might be. But God has nothing to do with, with directly willing your suffering mm-hmm. at all. This is a result of the fall. And if you want to read about the mechanics of this, read uh, JP2's letter on, on human suffering, right? Uh, Salvavici Dolores, I think. Um, and so that's awesome. But the, the thing is, the one thing I want to draw to is what, what Paul gets to in Romans 8 that you just read is uh, is God's plan for it. Yeah. And uh and I, what I want to um draw on is verse 26. It says in the same way the spirit also helps with our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for our words. So when we're in suffering, like w- we're weak. We can't do anything on our own. And um and pride is like the root of pride is self-reliance, control. I got this. I can take care of this. And as long as we're as long as we have a spirit of pride at any point of our life, we're in rebellion to God. And so God can use 
suffering in any form, physical, spiritual, emotional, you name it, to, to bring us to a point where we have to call out to his help and his strength. And, uh, and this is the promise that like, we don't, the Holy Spirit aids us, strengthens us in our weakness. And, um, so it starts right there. That's the first thing I see that like, you need to call upon the power of God. And, and I think that's just so important to, to understand that it's not God that's giving us this suffering, right? It's, it's God coming to our aid Mm -hmm. when the evil one gives us suffering, right? right? Like that, the, the, the result of the fall suffering happens and God is now, Hey, in the midst of this, I'm coming to your aid and I'm sending my Holy spirit, the comforter to intercede on your behalf and to really strengthen you and sustain you. Yeah. And I think one of the things too is, um, so many people have had these experiences where they've drawn closer to God through a cancer bout or something in the, uh, some kind of sickness just draws people, draws a family together. And I've heard people say like, I'm just, I'm so glad that God brought this on my family because it drove together. But that's such a false conclusion to do because um, in Romans 5, Paul talks about how um, God is so great that he can draw good out of sin, mm-hmm. right? So even Paul in his sinning and his like beating down on the Christians and putting them in prison, God drew a greater good out of that through yeah. his, his conversion. And Paul wouldn't be who he was without that that life of sin and rebellion from God that he was participating in. But then Paul says, you know, should sin abound that grace should be more abundant? Of course not. So the question so. is, can um, can God use sickness or can God use sin to draw a greater good? Yes. yes. Then the question becomes, does God therefore... Um, the, can God use sickness to draw to greater good? Yes. Yes. But does God cause the sickness? No. No, because he's good. He, he doesn't give what, he can't give what he doesn't have. Yeah. So like, let's look at this promise, right? We know that all things work for the good for those who love God, right? That's amazing. So good. That's so good that God, all things are working towards the good. Why? Because God is good. Yeah. Right? And so when we cling to him, we have hope that he's bringing good out of all suffering. Amen. That's the thing. It's it's an invitation to trust. Like, mm-hmm. and what's the qualification for those who love God? Like, father, like He's our Father. He loves us. He's going to draw good out of it. Like, Father, I, like I love you. I I don't understand this diagnosis. I don't understand this thing going on with my friends and my family. But I know you're going to draw good out of it, mm-hmm. and uh, it's going to be better than I could ever have imagined. So I'm not. I'm going to choose not to worry. I'm going to choose not to despair. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to choose the hope that you have and I can't do it my, on my own. So Holy Spirit come, this is the posture yeah. that we're going to be hearing about. But I know that I just want to give that firm foundation before, you know, we have been on the show. Well, and when things feel like they're spiral spiraling out of our control, it's beautiful because that's where trust falls, right? That it, it, it trust when things falls spiraling <laughs> nice one <laughs> but you know like that that we have to we have to trust when, when it's out of our control then whose control is it under it's under god's control yeah. and so you have you have one options and uh, like i mean i guess you have two options right like you can either um allow that that moment to grow to despair and say god you've abandoned me and now i'm going to abandon you or you can allow that moment to grow into hope and you can say god you press, you're pressing into me right now. And so I'm going to press into you. And do you like, that's so beautiful that in the moments of suffering, you can choose to walk away from God 
or press into God? Mm-hmm. And and what is God's disposition when you're suffering? Is God walking away? No, he's pressing in. He's promising that I am here in the midst of this suffering. I'm sending my spirit to to intercede for you on your behalf because you don't you can't pray as you ought in this moment that you need me right now. I'm pressing in. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to strengthen you. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait with endurance. I love that. I think we've I think sometimes we can lose the art of endurance in our current world, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're living in a an instant gratification world. Like, I have a question. Oh, my question's answered immediately on the internet. Like, there's there's just every... It's always instant gratification. Um, what do you think endurance... Why, why is that so important, Patrick? Oh, because it, it forms character, mm-hmm. perseverance. I mean, God is in the business of molding us into Jesus, like the image of Jesus. And actually, you know, we read... 20, verses 26, 27, and 28. And then 29 says this, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that we would be the firstborn among many brethren. So all of these experiences, these sufferings, this, this invitation to life in the Holy Spirit ultimately has the end and the goal of conforming us into the image of Jesus, that we look like Jesus, we love like Jesus, we suffer like Jesus, we heal like Jesus, we speak like Jesus, and God will use these things um, with our permission to form us to become like him. Amen. That's amazing, right? The, the, what is heaven? Uh, heaven is a total uniformity and conformity to Jesus Christ. And so if I want to experience the holiness of Christ, I, I, I want uh, the Lord to come into my life and to transform me so that I can become more like him. And here's the thing about suffering, like Jesus endured the cross. And um, it, it really becomes part of our identity because yes, God, God, you know, Jesus was resurrected. Um, but when he came back, uh, he, he had the wounds that were visible. And so that, that actually becomes this reminder. It, it, it actually is so fundamental to our faith. Um, and it actually becomes part of our identity that it's through the cross that we choose to take up in our own life and respond to. Like Jesus didn't say, hey, Pontius Pilate, give me a cross. I got to do it. It was given to him. Yep. He didn't choose it for himself. He 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 obeyed to it. And like, you're not going to choose the suffering in your life, but you're going to receive it. And then that's going to become redemptive. Well, listeners, this show is going to be just so amazing. I want you to stay tuned. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to hear from Ben Hardings and his extraordinary testimony and how he's leading others to encounter Jesus Christ here and now. We will be right back. With Amazon Fire TV, you can instantly stream Encounter with Dan Demite and Patrick Rice to your TV. All you need is a high-speed internet connection, a TV, and the Amazon Fire TV player. EWTN. It's everywhere. Scripture and Tradition with Father Mitch Pacwa. Is there anything in the tradition that is not found in the Scripture? And I said, yes. The table of contents. No book of the Bible writes down which books belong in the Bible. You only know it from the oral tradition from the apostles. Scripture and Tradition with Father Mitch Pacwa. Tuesday, 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Television. Lauren Ashburn. I've always been pro-life, but have never been able to talk about it in the news. And now, not only do I share it internally, but I share it with a global audience. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. 
Hello and welcome back to Encounter, the show that brings you the life-changing encounters of ordinary people that launch them into lives of extraordinary mission. So, Patrick, we've got in studio with us today our good friend, Ben Hardings. Let's give it up for yeah, Ben. Yeah, welcome, Ben. Welcome to the show, You're ben. awesome. You are tall, good-looking, and a man of God. Because <laughs> they can't see him. They can't see him. It's always yeah. awkward in radio. You're like, who is this? Like, what's this person look like that I'm listening to right now? Yeah, he, so, he also played football yes. in college. So, Ben was a to hear about yeah, great uh, college football player and just an amazing story. He just recently quit his job as a corporate banker to work for a nonprofit organization, just going all in for the gospel. But his life has been all in. And so we're excited to hear from you, Ben. Welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me on today. Yeah. So, Ben, why don't you, we just want to hear your story of how you've encountered Jesus Christ throughout your life. Why don't you start us at the beginning? What was it like growing up in a Catholic household uh, on the, I guess, the, the west side of uh, Ohio. Western side of Ohio. What was it like? Well, I was the youngest of uh, 10 kids. So wow. That's a it, couple uh, kids. Yeah, a few Double digits. Us. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, I had three of my uh, brothers play college football as well. So let's just say growing up in that house, it was uh, prepared me to play college football <laughs> because I got the, you know, snot beat out of me. Were you guys all farmers? Oh, yeah. We were farmers. We, um, you know, my, my parents, going back many generations, you know, German Catholic, um, went to St. Henry uh, in Western Ohio. It was a beautiful parish, old Gothic architecture, you know. And, you know, growing up in St. Henry, it was a 99% Catholic community. St. Henry, ironically, even though it's called St. Henry, is a public school. Oh, interesting. Uh, it was a really interesting environment. But, you know, I never really encountered Jesus Christ, uh, even though growing up with a beautiful priest, the Precious Blood community out there served that community forever, still love that community um, and what they do for, you know, Catholics across the world. They're missionaries across, you know, all the continents in the in the world. But, you know, really growing up in that environment, Dan, it it, it prepared me, I think, to, to really encounter Jesus Christ. It planted a bunch of seeds, but never met the person of Christ. You know, and it, it's a you know, I think that's something we see in a lot of Catholics growing up. Um, you know, I'm I'm just one of them. And then when I did go to college, uh, ultimately I went to college, fell pretty hard away from the faith um, in college, and I wanted to do what my brother was doing. He was an NFL athlete. Um, he was playing for the Detroit Lions at the time, and I was going to go follow his footsteps. I was going to go play for the you know play in college, get drafted. And uh, when I was a sophomore in college, had an injury that ultimately ended my career, and nearly, I mean, it was a very difficult time, um, and and I, it, I was going to say nearly ended ended my life. I mean, it was an extremely difficult time because was it that, a football injury or a yeah, car? yeah 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 football injury. So yeah. dumbest of all things, I man, I bent over on a on a football field. You know how crazy things happen. I just bent over and put my helmet down and just threw my back out like that. Wow. So. Mm-hmm. You know, and after nine months or so, you know, surgery, treatments, came to the discernment that, you know what, football wasn't my future. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I, um, you know, praise be to God, some guys on the team, there's actually a couple cheerleaders and a couple of um, track stars for the at, at Miami who kind of grabbed me by the shirt tail or gra- grabbed me by the neck and said, Ben, you got to, I mean, there's a greater purpose and that greater purpose is Jesus. And in that moment was really the first time where I was like, Jesus? Like, people actually say Jesus? 
in not a vain way. Right, right. Yeah, so you're like, was, wait, what? Wait, and I got invited to a Bible study, and I started to study, and started, you know, started to really read um, the the. You know, I, I remember reading Psalms for the first time. I remember reading uh, Acts of the Apostles for the first time. I, rem- I remember reading uh, the Gospel of John for the first time over that kind of 18-month period of time. Just remarkable, eye-opening kind of mm. uh, experience. My my, my wife, at, we were dating at the time. We were high school sweethearts. She started to, to read. We ultimately got engaged during that 18-month period of time and decided we were going to dedicate our lives to one another. And you guys were high school sweethearts? <clears throat> yeah, we were. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, so what was it kind of when you first got to college? So were you, you were going to mass like week after week growing up, but what was it like, was it the the love for sports? Was it like false idols, the lure of the world? Like what pulled you away? Oh boy, Dan, that's a big question. Um, You know, mass was kind of a nuisance. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a couple hours when I was trying to be an NFL athlete on Sunday mornings. Like I wanted to get up. I wasn't. You know, I wasn't carousing around or doing anything crazy, but I was just totally focused on uh, probably worldly idols. You know, I wanted to be wealthy. I wanted to have power. Um, I felt that opportunity through sports, through football. I saw a clear path to it because I had a brother there. Um, and I went headlong into it. And anything that got in the way, including including my faith, yeah. was shoved off to the side. So then you have this encounter with Jesus, and he starts to open your eyes. Was it a group of people, or was it a retreat? What was it that really kind of solidified, like, hey, I love this man, I'm going to follow him? Uh, you know, mine, I, I don't remember like a Damascus Road type of experience yeah. during that time. I mean, there wasn't a moment in time where Jesus came, and, and it, was a, it was a process, I mean, Jesus worked with me. So you never lost your eyesight, you're saying. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I no, I didn't lose my days. eyesight. It was when I came to college I lost my eyesight. <laughs> like, I, did, I took my eyes off Jesus. That's why you yeah, injured your, your neck. You are trying to play football blind. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly right. It's exactly what it was. So I didn't. You know, there wasn't a moment. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a moment where, you know, he spoke into my life and said, hey, you know, come. No, it was guys literally, you know, friends of mine who mm-hmm. I had developed a relationship with battling one another on uh, on the football field, I mean, a defensive lineman, a fullback, a running back. I can remember these guys. I and mean, they, were these guys Catholic? No, no, they they they, they weren't Catholic. I mean, uh-huh. they, they, these guys had a deep love for Jesus Christ, risen, um, the Holy Spirit imbued in their lives. And I mean, there was so so looking back, you know, I've thought about this a lot. And these guys are all still friends of mine. You know, a couple of them here live here in Columbus. Um, one of them lives up in South Bend. I just saw him over the over the summer last year. Went up to a Notre Dame football game in September, and um, you know had dinner with his family. And it it was it was these guys. I remember asking myself honestly because you know put it in context, right? So I'm a Western Ohio German Catholic farm kid, and when you when when you go to college and you end up in a football locker room. There's 120 different different personalities in the room, all kinds of socioeconomic backgrounds, all kinds of... We had guys from Texas. We had guys from St. Louis, New York. um, And it was was an environment, and you started to develop your own little little worldview, right? So a bunch of challenge occurring. I had my own goals. Um, But what I was going to say, to answer the question there, Patrick, it was like the... Those guys stood out. 
I couldn't identify why. In hindsight, I can identify why. But those guys stood out. They they talked differently. They walked differently. They worked out differently. Mm. Um, like their triceps and their quads more? <laughs> like, is there a Christian workout plan? <laughs> I'm just leveling with our just our average listeners right now, okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's true, yeah, yeah. But, but like, I think the, they had a different could, way about it, right? They absolutely had okay. a different way. They had a different way. They had a different way they walked their... Uh, their, their their daily walk. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And and those were the guys. I mean, they literally. I remember being shelled up in my dorm dorm room um, for a, a couple weeks where I really didn't want to do anything because I had given up football. I didn't want to be part of the team anymore. The coaches invited me because my senior year actually it was a remarkable experience. Praise be to God for Terry Hepner grabbing me as well. He was our head coach and saying, "Hey, I want you to stay with the team. I want you to be part of our program. Um, I want you to minister." to the young guys on the team uh, as I started to, you know, go through my conversion process. Um, and I want you to be a student assistant. And But those guys, it was really the team who came to me first and grabbed me in my dorm room and said, Ben, come on, man. This isn't you. Come come with us. Come to Bible study. Start learning. Start discovering this. We know you have the faith in there. Hmm. Um, but they, they really pulled me out of it. And I think that's the brotherhood. I mean, that's the unity. That's the unity. That's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's um, that's something I still I think back. I you know pray for those for those guys. And in, in the, there was a couple of gals on, like I said, a couple of cheerleaders and a couple of uh, um, folks who ran track who were also in that in that group. You know, I think something that's so interesting about sports is people who are attracted to sports and succeed to sports uh, are masters in self-discipline, right? Like to be a college athlete, you have to be a master in self-discipline. And and when you master those cardinal virtues, you can actually become an incredible, like you need that to be a great Christian, right? You need to to have strong self-discipline to be a great Christian. And so when you when you had this conversion and you had already acquired so much self discipline in your life through the ins and the outs of athletics, how did that shape your Christian life now? So now you're you're living for the Lord. How did you take that self discipline? Because I think there's a lot of listeners, myself included, who really struggle to be disciplined in living our day in and day out faith, right? But you, I know you well, and I know you're a disciplined person. How does that look as a Christian? I don't. You know, it's interesting. I'll go back um, before I answer that question. I want to go back to a specific story about discipline. Um, Steve Newman uh, with Athletes in Action was uh, was somebody who really ministered to me during that time. And it, it was funny because I, I knew Steve. He was around the team. And when I started through the, you know, go to Bible study, started to learn, um, started to read, he said, hey, Ben, you should read the Psalms. I came back a week later and said, okay, I read the Psalms. <laughs> uh, wait, why don't you read the Gospel of John? Uh, I came back a week later. Okay, I read the Gospel of John. What's next? Yeah, do whatever you say, coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, read, read Acts of the Apostles. So, yeah, I, that, that was awesome. What, what else should I read? You know, is there, can I read, like, a, is there a book? I mean, anything else I should read? He gave me a book about Paul and Peter, like this biography of Paul and Peter. I read that in a week, you know. So this discipline that I learned, I mean, it started growing up on a farm because you can't, um, you know, you can't neglect animals. You you can't. That, that's your livelihood. So you, you have to be disciplined about caring. And I think as it relates to faith, those two things that I've learned, you know, the farming mentality, being an athlete, um, you know, how does it relate to being, um, you know, Christian? I mean, Christianity at its at its deepest parts. I mean, we haven't talked anything about 
you know, my story beyond athletics. But, you know, we, my family and I've been through a lot of suffering in the last five years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've lost the son, um, lost my mom extremely tragically just here in the last couple of months. Um, I'm a two-time cancer survivor. I mean, all those things have, you know, those experiences early on, what God put me through and prepared me for, and the discipline that came out of it is what I think Jesus calls us to, right? To be a disciple, to follow him. And when you think about the regiment, I've thought a lot about Jesus, honestly, and his own regiment. And, I mean, he would wake up at ridiculous hours of the morning. Now, he was God, right? So that's a little bit of cheating <laughs> But he's there. also man. But he's also man. Right, yep. And he had he had the requirements of being a human being. He had to... You know, he his human body needed to eat, needed to sleep. He needed that. Even the earliest followers of Jesus, Paul, Peter, they all needed that. Mm-hmm. They needed that order. And they pursued that order. But they also pursued God right in the center of it. Yeah. So... Yeah, no, I think I and I think that's the beauty. So I sometimes we get really critical of sports, right? Like, oh, like uh, kids are too entrenched in sports nowadays. But actually, I think we're just not using sports well enough, right? Like, if we would re reprioritize our lives and have that structure and utilize the self discipline and the the virtue building the sports does, it actually can form great Christians. Because I know a lot of Christian young people who never played sports and they they just they have no they lack discipline in their right. life, and right. so. Uh, well, let's let's move. Okay, so you're living for the Lord now. You graduate um, from college. What happens next? You get married. I want to kind of get to some of the suffering in your life because I think that's just the really has marked your life with Christ and has really identified how you interact with Christ and with others. Yeah, Christ again is a, is a gradual call onward. Where you, my wife and I started, we went on a couple marriage marriage retreats. We really desired um, my my brother, honestly, my, my brother Jeff, who was the NFL football player, was a huge part of that journey because he was going through his own conversion, um, where where he 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 had really ha- fallen pretty hard away from the faith as well, and uh, he's one of my closest brothers. He's on the younger end of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother Joe, uh, also the same thing. These are my you know lifelong brothers, blood brothers, and we we began this journey together. We started we went on a couple of retreats together. We started to read. Um, books together, even though we weren't in the same city. We read Wild at Heart together, um, started to read some of the early church fathers. And, you know, Dan, it, you, you start talking about the suffering. I mean, I I don't know, for, for me, 2013, that that year was uh, just a the beginning of a transformative experience. Um, I felt called onward by my brothers, by the Spirit, my own wife and I were going through uh, the, the normal things of marriage. I mean, having kids. We have a lot of them. We have five. Yeah, you do. Um, it's fun. It's awesome, it's awesome, dude. Kids are awesome. People are like, oh, you got your hands full. We're like, yeah, full of good things. Man, full of joy. <laughs> That's exactly what I say, Patrick. <laughs> I know. You got your hands full. Full of joy. Yeah. Full get, of joy, get baby. Get some. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm like, I know. Yeah. Yeah, just... <laughs> Dan's like, uh, coffee, please. <laughs> yeah. My kids are crazy. But Your kids fun. are crazy. Your kids are crazy. Hey, man. they got me as a dad. What do you expect? <laughs> Dan's like, can My I? My wife's an Italian from New Jersey. I mean, of course, their blood is like wired for insanity. That's why you have to like 
sip one coffee and then sip one wine and kind of go back and forth. <laughs> You're scandalizing our audiences right now. No, marriage I'm is not. beautiful. I know. I'm just, no, marriage is beautiful. <laughs> it's and insane. And through that process, right? That was just, you know, you have kids, you learn, you start raising kids. I've got, I got 44 nieces and nephews now, so I had a lot of good coaches in my life who were wonderful, you know, mothers and fathers who are my, who are my siblings. And, but 2013, you, know, you just talk about suffering. I, I mean, I don't think, anyone maybe they do I don't, some of the saints perhaps they look at their lives and say you know i'm going to lead a life of suffering i certainly never anticipated in 2013 in february that i would be in a i don't know a room about the size of the room we're in now with an ultrasound machine with my three kids and and two of my nieces so excited about getting an ultrasound they wanted to see the heartbeat we took the kids out of school everybody's so excited we're standing there with a wonderful doctor here from Columbus, a wonderful Catholic man. I mean, that talk about a gift from God, having him drop in our lives when he did and be there at the moment of, of greatest sorrow and pray with us because we found out that our son had a, a, you know, a major disorder, something called Potter's syndrome. And, you know, your wife's laying there. I got I literally a gaggle of kids hanging all over me. The oldest there was seven years old. So it's like seven, you, got, you know, five kids under seven mm-hmm. hanging all over you. And you're like, what? You know, and you just have to, you start to process it. It's like, and you walk through that journey. And I so hard because just a couple days later, I was with another doctor, totally the opposite of what Dr. Mernan had, um, had done. And, um, you know, the unfortunate thing, talk about suffering, he actually, he said he would recommend an abortion. Oh, and he was a specialist. You know, Dr. Mernan had to send this to a specialist, ended up the specialist we were supposed to see wasn't available, got referred to another specialist. Uh, oh, still makes me sick to my stomach to this day. Um, but, you know, we did, we, we chose life. We, we took the life. We walked with, his name is James, um, and you know that initial journey. He was born in June. Uh, miraculously, you're not. He wasn't supposed to live outside the womb, and he actually was born without lungs. But he cried. Wow, wow. dude! It, Dr. Mernan told me afterwards. He said, "I've never seen anything like this before." Hmm. We had uh, he he counted them. I think we had sixty-seven people at the because I have such a big family, uh-huh. and we wanted everybody to witness James alive. Um, I will never, I thought instantaneous, I'd been praying for a miracle. He's born. He cries. I'm like, ah. but it was a different miracle. I mean, that's where I look back. It was that, that was God. If you go back, I actually did a talk about this, uh, to the Catholic men's, um, luncheon club here in Columbus about this. Cause I've re- reflected more and more on that moment. And, you know, death wasn't meant to be part of God's divine order. Um, it, it it was our sin that entered, that caused death. But you go back and read Genesis, and God breathes life. God breathed, yeah. God breathes in. We are to breathe back. I don't know if you've ever, mm-hmm. the history of Yahweh, where's Yah, where does Yahweh come from? I don't know if you've ever heard this. But Yahweh comes from our breath. <sighs> That's Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Neat. God breathed into James. Un- I mean, unbelievable blew my mind took me four years of contemplation i still contemplate and pray to my 
son. He's perfect in heaven right now praying for me. And I need a lot of prayers, especially raising these kids. Um, and, and that moment began a process. I mean, mm-hmm. a, a process of suffering, of entering in. So um, how long was he uh, alive? 90 minutes. <clears throat> wow, that's amazing. No lungs and alive for 90 minutes. 90 minutes. Wow. That's it was incredible. remarkable. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Amen to that. And then what did your family learn, like even your, your older kids? Like what did, what did you guys learn during that time frame? Uh, I mean, our kids, uh, I have a really good friend who had a, who's had multiple brain tumors, um, over his life. He's now in his mid sixties. Looks like he has, he'd had a stroke on the right side of his face, but he just has a recurring brain tumor, non-cancerous. He's had it removed four times. Um, and he told me, he said, Ben, what your kids are in for with the suffering that we've been through, uh, cause he told me about his kids and, and how they have been transformed. Um, I'd. My kids, they're kids, right? They're 11, 9, 6, and 2. Yeah. They're kids. Yeah. <laughs> but, man, are they incredible. Their spirit, the things that they say, the things that they pray, the I'm, – I, I'm in awe. It's not me. Mm-hmm. It's not me. It's the – We here's what we did. We allowed them to journey – with us we we sheltered them from nothing mm-hmm. we brought them along the journey we they were there and the, we didn't have a choice i mean and looking back how painful that was to have my kids there at that moment but it created a situation where we didn't have a choice you had to explain we had to explain yeah why was mommy crying why mm-hmm. are you crying mm-hmm. why was the doctor crying mm-hmm. what happened and that moment of Suffering turned in and has turned into over the last five years an incredible grace for our family. You know, what's interesting is I think when you're suffering, if you simply look inward, it, it turns into despair. But if you're able to look outward and have someone like your children to love on and to walk through that and explain it to, it almost that's where the grace gets activated, right? That you haven't just turned inward, but now you're taking that suffering and you have to explain why it's there and you have to explain the the meaning and the purpose behind suffering. And by explaining it to your kids, you almost minister to yourself. <laughs> oh, you do. And I think, I mean, I think for a young person, because I, I still have, I have 44 nieces and nephews. The oldest uh, niece is 32 years old. So, um, you know, if, even for a young person who doesn't have kids, I talk to my nieces and nephews about this. It's, it's building that community who at the moment you can't at the moment you can't do it yourself, that someone's going to reach inside of you. Just like those guys did in college to me, they're going to reach inside of you and say, no, Patrick, no, Dan, this this is not God. Mm-hmm. I'm pulling you out of despair. I just had somebody tell me the other day um, in the wake of my mom's passing that uh, I just said, I just feel so much despair. He said, you need to look at that and say the despair is the devil. Hope is Jesus. Oh, that's a good word. Mm-hmm. I mean, rocked my world, Patrick. Mm-hmm. Despair is the devil. Hope is Jesus. So even if you don't have kids, right? Yep. Yank you out as a young person. Build that group. I mean, who's the, you know, identify those people in your life and pull them close in times of, uh, in times of great happiness and joy so that when those times of struggle come, they're there for you. And vice versa, that you're there for them. Mm-hmm. 
So what was it? So it's 2013. You find out about your son. When did you find out about uh, being diagnosed with cancer? Yeah, it was two months later. It was insane. Um, two months later, um, I went to the doctor, got a little spot taken off my ear. Um, I was flying. I was an investment banker at the time, and I was flying from uh, uh, Columbus to D.C. to Canada to meet with a company up there. And, um, you know, I had, had really gotten myself comfortable with i shouldn't say comfortable but you know i just kind of started to accept the walk that we were gonna have to journey with my son um and you know because you carry that with you the rest of your life you start to work and write um i actually wrote a wrote a book and in the wake of that began to write a book uh that's now published out there but it it was september uh 25th i went in and um, went to the dermatologist, got a spot taken off my ear. He said, don't worry about it. I'm, I'll never forget it because I was in the D.C. airport, and uh, it's the call you never want to get. Uh, call on your cell phone. It's his cell phone, Doc Wanker's cell phone. And he said, Ben, um, can I see you this afternoon? <laughs> yeah, that's not a good call. <laughs> um, am why I, do you, am why I in do you trouble? Know? What do yeah, they do? Yeah. <laughs> I wish it was a principal. Yeah. I wish yeah. it was a principal who called me, but it wasn't. It was a doctor. Yeah. And uh, he said, um, I said, no, I'm actually going to board a plane in 20 minutes to go to Canada. And I'm in Washington, D.C. That's a problem. So he said, uh, how much time do I have? I said, 20 minutes. So he said, hung up immediately, called me back 10 minutes later and said, when are you coming back? And I said, Wednesday, 3 o'clock. He said, I'll see you in my office at 3.30. And I, I, I didn't ask why. You kind of know why. You can do the math, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I told, I just called, called Lynn, my wife, and I said, uh, hey, 3.30 Wednesday, you need to be at uh, on Polaris. Can you get a babysitter? Why? We're going to go see Doc Wanker. She started to cry. I mean, she started to cry. She knew. Um, and I knew. And it ended up being a very aggressive form of melanoma. Um, had surgery. You know, got it removed. Ended up finding that it had spread. Um, prepared for chemotherapy in that process. Several surgical infections throughout that fall. Um, had multiple surgeries and then um in one of those surgeries they actually found a second primary form of cancer <laughs> december the second was a day i'll never forget because um the doctor came in and said uh i don't know how to say this but you, you've got a second form of cancer <laughs> and by this point right i'm sitting there thinking okay my son's gone we got a very aggressive form of melanoma if I didn't have these tubes hanging out of me and I hadn't lost 25 pounds, I'd hit you. <laughs> That's what I, but yeah. I, I literally, I physically couldn't. Yeah. Like I was, it would have been like awkwardly getting up and then going over and slapping him in the face like a <laughs> little girl or something. And I'm like, I can't do that. But that's the feeling I had like, oh, so hard. But even through that process, again, family there, men of God, I remember, um, I mean, the, the, the chairman of our Catholic radio station here in Columbus, a guy named Mark, he organized a group of guys to come over and do my yard work that spring. I remember sitting in the house thinking, oh, I want to be out there so bad, but in hindsight, you, those brothers, those brothers walking with you, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that suffering, it's its joining myself to it, walking into it, riding through it, um, my wife and I committing to one another. I mean, we... When you look at statistics, we've got like a 99% chance we're going to get a divorce. 
right? Because these are like the statistics the world puts out there, yep. right? The world will say, hey, you go through losing a, losing a child, you go through a cancer experience like that. Um, my wife's actually been through some stuff um, as well. And, um, you know, we just, we have committed everything and aligning it, aligning it to the cross, aligning it to the cross. We are not going to take our eyes off the cross. And it's just, it's, you know, thinking back to college is totally different, totally different response. I love talking to athletes now. Love it. Young athletes. Because I, I tell my kids this, my kids are gifted. They're gifted athletes. And you pray, you play for an audience of one. Mm-hmm. Align the suffering you take on as an athlete for the cross of Christ. And um, my brother's now head coach of a Christian football team here in Columbus um, at, a, at a Christian school. And uh, uh, it's been it's been a, a great joy to minister with him mm-hmm. and uh, and take the experiences. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, in a clearly a very small way, the suffering an athlete endures is for a greater triumph, right? And the suffering that you go through when you exercise and work out is for growth of muscle, right? And it is. You have to be broken in order to grow. And I, I, you know, I think that's characteristic of our spiritual life as well, that when suffering comes, it's for a greater growth that the Lord wants to bring. What's the kind of, what's the one major thing of growth or the one major attribute of growth that God has brought in your life through your suffering? Simplicity. Hmm. Explain that. Simplicity. Um, you know, life is complex, always going to be complex. Um, you've got friends, you've got relationships, you've got, um, kids raising, and we've talked about raising kids. You got your relationship with your wife, got your profession, you need to earn a living, all those things, right? Um, you know, Dan, you mentioned, I I think early on you mentioned I walked away from my career about four months ago to join a mission that you lead. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, the ability to live simply. And what does that look like, Dan? I'm a follower of God first. My vocation is to be a husband and a father, and everything else comes after that. Mm-hmm. Everything else comes after that, and way after that. Like, so far down the so far down the list of priorities, I have a list of priorities, right? I need to make an income. My wife stays at home. I need to make an income. I need to, um, you know, provide for the household. Same way my, my dad did the same thing. And I, I see the wisdom and the simplicity with which my parents lived now, uh, in, in the wake of their passing. Yeah. Um, they both passed away over the last couple of years. Uh, that is the greatest thing that I've learned is, uh, simplicity. Praise uh, the Lord. Let's, yeah. ju- let's jump into this. So listeners, so Ben had a lot of different offers throughout his career to be like CFOs of these big businesses. And, uh, you were, you had a really successful corporate investment banking career. And then, so you make this decision recently in the last 12 months to walk away from this career um, to serve God in His church, what, what, like, why'd you make that decision? Because you wouldn't let me say. Well, no. yeah, I mean, clear. So, so, so Ben walked away to work for my my nonprofit, and I would have stopped harassing him. Uh, Dan but, doesn't believe but, in free will. Everybody, but trust me, I he harass, doesn't at all. Yeah. I harass a lot of people. Uh, Change and, the channel. And, and they don't always listen. So, what you were listening to God, not to me. So, what was no, the? No, 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 no. It was. It was. Um, you know, taking it back to prayer, man. Every single day, discipline. 
taking it back to prayer, taking it, everything back. Lord, what are you calling me to do? What perhaps could you be calling me to do? Why would you have me serving on the board of this mission at this time in my life after so much suffering? And in asking, I think, I think God talks to you through you honestly having a conversation with him. Mm. Just, Lord, what do you want with my life? Lord, what do you want with me? Just asking it over and over and repeatedly, repeatedly, writing it down, writing it down. I mean, one of the greatest graces Patrick has given me is, you know, really going through a process of prayer and discernment and writing it down and breathing into that and writing it down and then reflecting on it and bringing it back to God. God, what do you mean? Okay, so I got this revelation, Lord. Okay, what's next? And through that process, Dan, it's not Again, it wasn't a Damascus Road experience. You walked the journey with me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a Damascus Road experience. It was praying together with your wife first, and then you you walk into that decision and you realize, um, you know, in some sense, you know, how did the decision ultimately get made? I threw up a bunch of roadblocks and God took them all down. <laughs> <laughs> I, we don't have time to go through them all, but I could. I could. I, I threw up a dozen roadblocks and I said, "Well, Lord, you can accomplish this." Dang it, He just mm. did. And, and I think eventually the Lord I mean, He speaks to you through that. Mm-hmm. He speaks to you through mm-hmm. that, and that that um, it's been an incredible blessing on our lives. All right, Ben. Well, thank you. Your story's so yeah. amazing. I have one more question I want to ask you. So yeah. you were you were transformed by these young witnesses in college, and then right after you graduate college, you were walking with a, a lot of other young Christian witnesses through athletes in action, and um, at, you know that your your greatest fellowship at that time were non Catholics. Um, <laughs> why did you and your wife, and uh, you know some of your brothers have walked away from the faith? Why did you and your wa- wife choose to remain Catholic in the midst of? Your your deepest form of brotherhood and fellowship, uh, not being Catholic. No, it's an it really. You know, we don't have a lot of time to go into the full details. Uh, it's a, it was a really simple decision at first. Um, honor thy father and mother. Hmm. I mean, it really was a simple decision at first. Now it's become much more complex since then. You know, and I could go into the complexities of that. But my wife and I um, looked at our parents, uh, our parents, her parents. I mean, especially my parents. My my parents. I, they're, they're saints, unbelievable um, uh, leaders in the community that we grew up in. Um, and they just, they loved the church so much. And they themselves lived an incredible life of suffering that we could go, I mean, we don't have time to go into either. But they loved the church so much that we looked at them and said, one of my greatest ways to honor you, I didn't tell them this, but in our prayer, one of my greatest ways to honor you is to follow you into that church. And then as we did, as we made the choice, the revelation came about. Once we made the simple choice, the revelation of the wisdom of the church has come about. And all of those friends of mine, those the evangelical friends of mine, remain very, very good friends. I mean, Patrick our, and Dan, our networks interla- interlink in so many ways. Mm-hmm. These are incredible men and women of God. My brothers are incredible husbands and fathers and there's uh there's great wisdom in that in that body aligning itself again aligning itself in disagreement aligning itself in in love aligning itself in grace everything to the cross and those uh those my my physical brothers my blood brothers um remain 
remain very, very close to me. So Awesome. Well, thank you. You've been listening to the testimony of Ben Hardings. Ben, if people want to get a hold of you, how could they get a hold of you or find your book? Uh, my book would be on Amazon. I got a couple books out there. Um, uh, Return to the Altar was written in 2013, and uh, I got another book, It's Not Okay and That's Okay, kind of a journey through life's sufferings. Um, and then I guess if they want to get a hold of me, you could call me. Don't give them your cell phone number over the radio. That's not good? <laughs> nope. That's not an idea? What do I give them then? Five, Damascus, five, right? So hold on. Five, five. No, hold on. I'm going to give him Patrick's cell phone No, number. you will not do that. Yeah, then, <laughs> does he have a profile? <laughs> yeah, go on LinkedIn. You can find Ben Hardings on LinkedIn. That's or Facebook. I'm out on Facebook as well. You awesome. see the gaggle of kids. That's Hardings with a T. not H-A-R-T-I-N-G-S. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ben. You've thank been you, guys. an incredible guest. We will be right back to finalize Encounter. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. We talk to audiences all over the world. One thing I've found out is everybody in the whole world has the same set of questions. They live the same human life. They all want meaning. They all want love. They all want significance. They want forgiveness. That's the most fascinating thing to me. The same answers work wherever you are throughout the world. Call to Communion with Dr. David Anders, Sunday afternoon, 2 Eastern, on EWTN Radio. EWTN, Communicating the Faith. And I wanted to tell you guys how great your show is because uh, I listen to you guys for every, every day for the last past five and a half months. It's because of you guys that I came to the Catholic faith. Now I'm going to church on Sunday for the first time because I just got out yesterday from jail. And I got my mom to go too. And my girlfriend is also going with me. Wow. She's willing to give the Catholic faith a try. EWTN, Live Truth, Live Catholic. Hello and welcome back to Encounter. Wow, Patrick, that was an incredible testimony. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 just so blown away. Um, I feel like what his his life is a teaching to us right now, and I feel like God has what he's gone through. He's making a gift. He's written these books. He's sharing with our listeners right now uh, a witness to a witness to the power of hope, the power of faith, and the power of trust in in the time of of suffering. But Dan, off air, we you were talking about the power of brotherhood. Um, yeah. and community. Can you share that with our listeners? Yeah, so before, when, when Ben was going through uh, his cancer, and I didn't know him, um, but one of the guys in my small group knew him, and uh, I remember he just came to men's group one day and was like, guys, this is looking really bad. Like, there's this young father, he's in his 30s, he's a father of four kids, and I think he's going to die. His cancer is just, it's eating away at him. And, um, and just this reality of us coming together as brothers and then even so many other men's groups and, and communities, churches praying for Ben, um, that he found strength to, to fight this cancer really through the community, right? That there was people relying and hoping in God that allowed him to continue and his wife to continue to hope, right? And um, there's so much power in, in prayer and intercession. There's also just so much power in the community, the body of Christ, that in the midst of suffering, what do people need? They need hope for endurance. And so um, one of the things that struck me so much about Ben was he had this community of brothers starting all the way back to college where he met these these awesome athletes who loved Christ and he maintained those friendships and he built other friendships with his parish here. And then just maintaining a strong group of men who were his strength in a time of need. And just the importance that 
we need people who can celebrate with us in times of joy uh, so that they can be our strength in times of need as well. And um, if you, you know, if you're listening and things uh, are going really well in your life and you've never um, been afflicted with suffering, uh, in these times of consolation, seek out uh, brotherhood, seek out sisterhood, seek out community in your church and in your parish to those relationships that become a rock so that if and, if and when things become shaky in your life, you've got a stable foundation with Christ and with other Christians to build you up and to be your strength. So good. And the, I love that. What's, um, what stuck out to you, The thing Patrick? that stuck out to me was um, the questions you had were so good. One of them was like about why he chose to stay Catholic and, you know, yeah, and he talked about honoring his mother and father. Mm-hmm. And then um, and the thing that hit me was uh, I know that that's the only commandment that God gave the Israelites that has a promise. Mm-hmm. It's it's honor your father and mother that you may have a long life. Mm. And so it's that's wow. a promise of God that's contingent upon our response to His grace. And so honor your father and mother that you might have a long that you might have a long life. And what happened to Ben? He's he's a multiple cancer cancer survivor, right? Yep. And um, but I feel like the Lord was kind of speaking prophetically through that, just saying like. I want the listeners to know, Patrick, that um, I have a promise to those who are dealing with cancer right now. I have a promise for those who are dealing with sickness that because you've honored your your mother and father, I'm giving you the grace to to get through this, that there will be recovery. Mm. So I, I just got this sense that we're supposed to, whenever we do pray, we're going to be praying that word that I think was operative in Ben's life, that God's, the power of his word that because of uh, we've honored, we have a culture of honor in our church and in Catholic families. That there is going to be a grace on that that God is going to give, and we just want to call that out in faith. Amen to that. Can we just uh, pray for that? Yeah, I just want to take a while. So, listeners, we're just we're not going to do a short, uh, cheap prayer here. We're really going to pray, and we want we want you to pray with us in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you so much that you are so good that you sent your only begotten son, our Lord Jesus Christ, into the world, that he would save the world, that he'd show us the way of truth and life. Jesus, you lived a complete life. You you lived a life that embraced the suffering, not that you, that not, you didn't choose the cross, the tr- cross was given to you, mm-hmm. and you offered yourself up for us, and you paid for every healing on the cross. So, Father, I thank you for all of our listeners that are going, that are suffering in multiple ways, especially those that are dealing with cancer right now. God, I pray that because they've loved, they've honored their mother and father, that you would pour out a grace of healing like Ben, like Ben received uh, upon them, that they would have full recovery and be able to witness to your redemptive power. We pray all this in Jesus's name. Amen. Thank you so much. Uh, you're listening to Encounter, the show that brings you the life-changing encounters of ordinary people and launch them into lives of extraordinary mission. This show is brought to you by St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. To listen to uh, more episodes or to share this episode with others, you can go to EncounterRadio.org. That's EncounterRadio.org. Join us next week. Thank you.